0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I just want us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers... And the Old Testament I like the Old Testament just as as David has said himself, the Old Testament is just it's full of wonderful stories of a wonderful people. I like the New Testament as well. But let's never get to the place where we think the Old Testament is past and it's gone. Because the Old Testament is so full of, of God, it's so full of Jesus, it's so full of the life of God that is in the New Testament. Let's never just say we don't need the Old Testament because there's such lessons and such things that God wants to say to us that are going to help us in our lives. And as I've said before, some of the greatest things I like in the Old Testament is the characters. And we're going to read about one today. And we're going to find out just what God is sending to us through this character. And it's, as I say, I don't read numbers that often. And it was... I've been going through it this last while back, and chapter after chapter, I have to say that Numbers is a book that I have really enjoyed this time as I've read it. And some of the things that God has, has highlighted and shown me, you just got to be thankful to God for, what he, for His Word. So let's concentrate on all of the Bible, not just one area of it, but all of the Bible. Don't disregard the Old Testament. So with that in mind, we're going to go to Numbers 25. Numbers 25. We'll just read a few verses. Numbers 25. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to commit fornication with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their God, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, "'Take all the chiefs of the people "'and hang them in the sun before the Lord, "'that the fierce anger of the Lord "'may turn away from Israel. "'And Moses said to the judges of Israel, "'Each of you kill those of his men "'who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. "'And behold, one of the people of Israel "'came and brought a Midianite woman to his family.' in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, both of them the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. We'll stop there and we'll comment on some of the later verses in a moment. Numbers 25 is quite a graphic chapter. You know, I don't want to talk today about the justification for God dealing with sin like this just to say that God is justified in all of his ways. That's not really my message this morning. And just as the chapter says, Israel is at a place where they have wandered the wilderness for almost 40 years. And it's come around to this time again where God is going to bring them into the land. And Israel has been tempted into fornication with the daughters of Moab. You know, some chapters before this talks about the prophet Balaam. Now, it talks about the prophet Balaam. It's not talking about one of God's prophets. He was a a soothsayer, as they would say in those days. He's done things things by signs, um, runes, and he really wasn't a prophet of God. Now, there is some debate about that, but I think from the way it talks about Balaam, that that he was a soothsayer. And we know the story how King Balak asked Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And Balaam couldn't curse the people of Israel. God did use him to speak through him. And he couldn't curse the people of Israel. But we've come to a place here now in 25 where Balaam has talked to this king of Moab. And he said to him, I can't curse these people. But I'll tell you there is a way. That you can com- get them in to commit fornication and bring them on to the judgment of God. And this is where we come to him in, ch- in chapter 25. He says, get your daughters to entice them. And this is where we are. Get your daughters to entice them. One, one, one prophet, or sorry, one teacher puts it, Balaam couldn't do by appealing to the demons he couldn't, he couldn't curse the people by appealing to the demons, but he accomplished it by appealing to the flesh. And what Balaam has done here is said, appeal to their flesh, appeal to their flesh, appeal to their appetites, appeal to their senses. And we see that in these chapters where it says they sacrificed and they ate and they bowed down to the, the, to the, the gods of the Moabites. They committed adultery fornication and idolatry. And if you notice the downward spiral, they sacrificed, they ate, and they bowed down. Listen, the flesh is going to be one of the main ways that the devil tries to tempt us. And we need to be very careful with our flesh. The temptations, especially in this world, it's a downward spiral. And this is what has happened here to Israel. In Shittim, it says they joined themselves; they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. They joined themselves. Think about this: this is the people of Israel, where God has done so much for them over these 40 years. He has provided for them in the wilderness, and this is this same stiff-necked people who won't follow God. So they've been invited to these to the, by the daughters of Moab to the sacrifices to eat and bow down before their gods. Baal of Peor. Now, Baal was a, a god of the Moabites who basically was acts of sexual acts. I'm trying to be careful with my language. Of sexual acts, sexual idolatry. And that's what the Baal god was Male and female prostitutes in the temple. And basically, they joined themselves to this God. Peor means open wide. So they joined themselves to this God and they were open to everything. Their flesh was open to every passion, every feeling, every desire. There was no restriction. One commentator calls it a cesspit. And I think that describes it well. Joining themselves to Baal of Peor opened the cesspit of idolatry and of adultery and of the flesh. And Israel had yoked themselves to this. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. You know, it says, not, it wasn't just an anger, it's a fierce anger. It's one thing for the Lord to be angry, but this time it's a fierce anger. Anger. This is how God deals with sin. He gets angry. And then he says, take all the heads of the people, all those that have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And this is the situation where Israel is right at this moment in, in Numbers chapter 25. You know, right up until now, sin to outward sin from the other nations have been a distant It's been distant from the people of Israel. But now it's emboldened. These people are emboldened by serving this, this God, Baal. There's no more shame among them. It's a cesspit. Everything goes. And there's a plague. God has sent a plague to run through the camp. So we come now to where Phineas comes into the play here. And especially in verse four, it says, "And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting." This is a terrible place, where this chief of Israel, who goes on and gives his name, and he says he was one of the heads of the families in Israel, who should have known better. We'll comment in another morning. And He brings a Midianite woman right into the camp. And this is where the flesh comes in and take, can take over so suddenly. Sin is now emboldened. It's bold. It's there in your face. And he brings this Midianite woman into his family before the sight of Moses and before the whole congregation. This is a serious place there's a playground through the camp and this man is continuing in his sin he's emboldened right into the camp right into the camp of God right into the congregation of God now you've seen this week some of the things that have went on you know I'm thinking of, of, of the situation with Isher's Bakery I'm thinking yesterday of the, the vote in the south of Ireland and also I was reading a paper during the week about in the Church of Scotland that some have voted to allow gay marriage and accepting of gay marriage into the church. Sin is emboldened in this age. Sin is in your face, for want of a better way of putting it. It's emboldened it's right there and it's right now and it is challenging the people of God. And sadly, some within the church are accepting it. Some are being swept up within it and accepting it. And I'm not just talking about homosexuality, I'm talking about sin in general here. Sin is, is pushing its way into the church. And sin is only concerned for itself. The flesh is a selfish thing. It's only concerned for itself. There's a deception in sin. There's a selfishness in sin. And in this flesh, it finds expression. And if sin is unchecked, it will wreak havoc within the church. We see the havoc that it is creating within society, but within the church, it will wreak havoc. And we, like the children of Israel, are called to be the people of God. We're called to walk with God. And this is where we will come to the character Phineas. And I think he's a wonderful character. And we talk about the big characters like Elijah and David and Abraham and Moses. But I think what what the Bible says about this man is of great importance to us today. Phineas... When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the, on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. Here is this man, Phineas. What do we know about Phineas? Well, first and foremost, Phineas was a priest. Phineas was a priest of God. Aaron, the high priest, was his grandfather. His father, Eleazar, was the brother of Aaron, or sorry, was the son of Aaron. And here we have a third generation priest, Phineas. He's a need to the high priest. And I believe what this, this chapter tells us about Phineas, that Phineas took his role serious. As a priest of God. Phineas is a faithful priest. He's faithful in all the details of his office. He's Phineas he's 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 a faithful priest in the details from the smallest to the largest. For Phineas, this was an honor to be a priest of God. Listen, this job to Phineas wasn't a drudgery. It wasn't just the job, it wasn't that he just went through the motions. This to Phineas was a calling. This was the calling of God in this man's life. And he was called to honor and worship God. He served before God. He served for God. And he served God, or he served the people on behalf of God. And he served to the people. He loved God and he loved the congregation. Numbers 153 says, but the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony so that there be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Phineas took this serious. He served in the congregation. He didn't want the wrath of God coming upon his people. And he wanted to guard the things of God. He guarded the tabernacle of the testimony. And this was for the honor of God And it was for the good of the people. Phineas was a faithful priest. Let's look at ourselves. What does God call us? In 1 Peter 2 and 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. King James says, The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I have become priests. If we know the Lord as our God and our Savior, we have become priests unto our God. Are we like Phinehas, a faithful priest? Do we accept that calling? Phineas's uh, uncles was called Nadab and Abihu, and they offered strange fire, onto God while they were drunk and while they were, were, were drinking. And God struck them dead. I'm thinking of Eli's sons, who was further on from Phineas, a couple of generations, Hophni and Phineas. They they committed adultery with the women that come into the temple to offer sacrifices. They stole money from the offering for the temple. And God struck them dead. But Phineas is of a totally different character. And are we today of a different character? Are we of the character of Phineas? Are we priests unto our God? Do we take our job serious? Do we take our role serious? Is it a drudgery to us? Is it a job? I hope not. We are here to honour and worship our God and to serve him faithfully. Revelation 5 and 10 says that God has made and we have become kings and priests unto our God and we shall reign on the earth. Do you see yourself as a priest today? Do you see yourself as a faithful priest today? Because Phineas was faithful. He took his role serious. He wanted to honor God and he wanted to protect the people. What else do we know about him? Well, he saw the great danger that this situation brought. And only a faithful priest can see this danger. Only a faithful priest can see this danger because a faithful priest is watching. A faithful priest is on the outlook for the people. A faithful priest won't allow anything to cheapen his service to God and his honor to God. He sees danger to the, to the house of God and he sees danger to the people of God. Only a faithful priest will see it. Why? Because he's motivated for the glory of God and he's motivated by God's own heart. If we're going to be a faithful priest and we're going to see the dangers from the enemy and from the flesh, from without and from within, we need to be doing it for the glory of God. We need to realize that we are kings and priests unto our God. What did God say about Phineas in verse 10? And the Lord God said to Moses, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. He was jealous with my jealousy. Only a faithful priest can do this. Be jealous with the jealousy of God, with concern for God's glory and concern for God's people. There's some who don't see the danger until it's too late. Can we read the signs this morning? I'm talking about our society and our situation from without and from within. Do we really see the danger of the signs of this time? Do we see what is happening? In society, there's a breakdown in society, within family, within what is right. And we're getting to a time where it says in Isaiah, woe unto them that call good, bad, and right wrong. We are at that stage. We're at that stage within society. I, w- I watched yesterday, as probably some of you did when the vote in the south of Ireland, and you see all the people cheering, and it was like a, it was a celebration, it was like a time of liberty. And as I was sitting watching, I thought to myself, they're cheering, and rejoicing. Listen, and I'm not being hard on people, they need the Lord. But they're rejoicing and cheering, for something that will only bring the wrath of God something that will only bring God's wrath. Sodom and Gomorrah is in our Bible for a reason, to show us that God hates sin. And it looks like we have rejoicing. Psalm 2 talks about how the the heathen says, and the wicked says, let us cast off their bands. And they think they have achieved freedom when all they have achieved is God's wrath on them. That's the signs of the times. But let's bring it closer within the church. Do we see the danger and signs to the church? Because if we're going to join, then we're going to bring ourselves under wrath. The church is going to bring itself under the wrath of God. Because there's a great danger to the church. And Phinehas saw the great danger to the people of Israel. Is, is our attitude to sin, and you can answer this for yourself, I've had to answer this for myself, do we say, well, it's only, or it's just? Do you justify your sin like that? Do I justify my sin like that? It's only, it's just. And we see these conversations within the hierarchy of church, and, and, and they're saying, well, they love one another as if that's all that matters. But we can get into that as well and get swept along with it and we treat it, it's only or it's just. And we entertain and we play with sin. Listen, we are in great danger if that's our attitude, if we're playing and entertaining sin and justifying it. Proverbs 6 and 10 says, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The Bible talks about the little foxes spoiling the vines. Small things, little things. Here we accept a little bit here. And by the time we've got to here, truth is so distorted. And the danger is we don't see it. Phineas saw two dangers. Two dangers to the camp of Israel this day. Number one, that it would pollute the whole congregation. That it would pollute the whole congregation. It was bad enough, the people going into idolatry and yoking themselves to the Baal of Peor. But then we have a leader of one of the tribes of Israel bringing the very Midianite woman into the midst of the camp. Right into the midst of the camp. And this is the danger that finished so that would pollute the whole camp. They wanted acceptance. This man of Israel and this Midianite woman, they wanted acceptance. What were they saying? There's no, there's nothing wrong with this. This is good. God wouldn't God accepts this. This is a sin and that is emboldened. And they wanted acceptance within the camp. I think of Adam and Eve. I think of David and Bathsheba. Do you think, in hindsight, and we're talking hypothetical here, that they had seen the the outcome of what they had done, that they would go through with it? Israel's history was one that was compromised when sin got into the camp even to the extent that it led to the people of Israel sacrificing their own children. That sounds too far-fetched to believe, but that is true. Our Bible tells us the stories. Sin got in and it polluted the whole camp. You know, we had at the start of the year still going on the Ebola virus in parts of Africa. And... Spiritually, sin is like that. It gets into the camp and it will poison all around. It will cause disease, break down the body, and cause it to die. Ebola kills the body, but this sin disease can get in and kill the soul. It can take us to hell. It can bring God's judgment upon us. You know, you, t- you take the nurses that went into Africa. They wouldn't attempt, and even some of them who did have all of the, the gloves and the coverings and the precautions still got it through mistakes. But they wouldn't even approach it without all of the coverings, without the rubber gloves, without the masks, without the overalls. And even then it was all hosed they were hosed down with chemicals to try and kill the disease. They wouldn't approach the Ebola virus without all of those precautions. But sadly, sometimes within the church, we're inviting it in. And this is a disease that will kill more than the body. Sin is a disease, it is a poison. It is our greatest enemy. And the church is in danger at times. Listen, there's liberal thinking within the church that will accept everything and anything. And the real people of God are made to feel as though they're fuddy-duddy. That's, that's Old Testament. Look, that's thousands of years ago. I'm not talking about the world saying this. This is what some within the church are saying. But this is not the character of the man, Phineas, This is not the character of the priest of God. He will not let pollution in, into his own life and into the church and into the congregation of the people of Israel. This is why we need to see this great danger. The second thing he saw was, it's more serious, that God in his anger would destroy the congregation. God would destroy the whole congregation. This was a make-or-break moment for the church, for the whole congregation of Israel. This was a make-or-break moment. I think it's interesting that 40 years before this, when they were heading for the land, that these people went into idolatry again and asked Aaron to make them a golden calf. This is 40 years before. Make us a calf. Aaron made them a calf this is the God that has brought you out of Egypt and it brought judgment upon them a whole generation of people was not allowed to enter the land save two people and as I say here we are 40 years later and they're on the, the edge of entering into the land again and here we have another test here we have another situation with idolatry but here we have one man who would stand up against it. Yes, there was Moses, there was others, but it specifically picks out the priest, Phineas, who would stand against it and who would not accept it. He didn't want to miss going into the land, into the blessing of God, into the presence of God, into what God had for the people's lives. Phineas saw this great danger. Are we aware of this danger? Are we aware like Phineas? Are our spiritual eyes opened to what's going on around us? What did Phineas do? Well, he dealt with the danger. He dealt with the danger. He took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Gruesome when you read it on a page. But this is how we need to deal with our sin. This is how we need to deal with the attacks of the enemy. From without, and more importantly, from within. Sin is flaunting itself in this camp. It's like Goliath, when he stood before the armies of Israel, flaunting himself. Flaunting himself before the children of God. And this is what is happening here. This man is flaunting his sin before God. Have you noticed there that the people were before, weeping before the tabernacle? Some of the people were weeping and asking God to take the plague away. And they were asking God for forgiveness. And they were asking God to take away the judgment. But what was the thing that took away the judgment? It was when Phineas dealt with the sin, when he dealt with the danger. And yes, it's good that we ask for forgiveness. It's good to seek the face of God for mercy. But have we dealt with the sin? In our personal lives, in our body, and within the church. That's what stopped the plague. But here it is flaunting itself and the only way it could be dealt with was to get a hold of it and to kill it and to destroy it. It says he took a spear and he rose. And I you know I always like sort of reading a bit of license behind the words, but he rose. But I think when we look at his attitude, he rose with the determination. There was no hesitation in Phineas's heart what he had to do. He knew what the right thing was to do and he was determined to do it. I would say he rose with the same anger that God had for this sin because God says he is jealous with my jealousy. I would say Phineas' anger was fierce that day. He was jealous for the, for the glory and the honor of God. And he went after the man. He went after the man. He was intent his intention was to kill the man, to kill the sin and deal with it. And it says he thrust both of them through. I've read various commentators and they all agree. He thrust them through in one move. Not the man first and then the woman. He thrust them through in one go. And that's the picture, I believe, of how we need to deal with all that is happening within the church and what is attacking the church today and could be within the church. We have to thrust sin through. It has to be dealt with. And it has to be dealt with with this jealousy for the glory and honor of God. Notice hard, Phineas, there was no favouritism, there was no respecter of people. These, this man was part of the nation of Israel. This man was his kin kinship. But he's dealt with him still. There was no favoritism. And this is how we need to deal with our sin. From without and from within. We can't respect it because it can pollute the whole congregation and it must be dealt with. This man was part of his people. This man was one of the leaders within one of the families of Israel. These leaders have fallen into sin. And that's the sad thing. The men who should have known better have fallen into sin and were in great danger of leading the congregation into sin. Just recently there, I was listening to a report in in Iraq and you you heard how the IS fighters had taken over the town of Ramadi. And I thought it was very interesting how they said, the IS fighters came in and the generals panicked and fled. And it says the rank and file scattered. And I thought that's a great picture of what we need to avoid: that the leaders fall into sin, that the leaders panic and fall apart, and get trapped in sin. I know we have to stand before God in our own hearts and our own spirits, but God has put leaders over us. And it's a terrible thing when they fall into sin because it can cause the rank and file, for want of a better way of putting it, the congregation to scatter. And that's sad. And how many churches have fallen apart that way? How many Christians have got disillusioned because of someone they trusted, someone they knew, someone they looked up to has fallen? It shouldn't have happened, but Phineas dealt with them, and it didn't matter whether it was one of the congregation or one of the leaders, he still dealt with it. How do you deal with sin? You challenge it. You be ruthless with it. You have nothing to do with it. You flee it, like Joseph of Potiphar's wife. And that's why the Bible says we're to crucify the flesh. Not to play with it. We're not to shun it. We are to crucify it. Crucify the flesh and its affections. Because if it gets into our lives, it will pollute everything. If we embrace it, it will pollute everything. We may as well be bringing poison, the Ebola virus, into our lives. We have to crucify the flesh. Finally, what was the outcome? What was the outcome? Verse 8. He went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Listen. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. The plague that God had sent in to judge them was stopped. Judgment was stopped by the actions of Phinehas. 24,000 had been killed. Now, it doesn't give us a time scale here of how long it took to kill those 24, but how long would it have been for that plague to move through the camp? But it was stopped by one man standing up for God and dealing with what needed to be dealt with. Through the actions of one man, this plague was stopped. It makes us think of what Jesus done for us through one man. Through one man, sin and death was conquered. And we were set free. It actually uses the word. Let me just read on from verse 10. And the Lord said to to Moses, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel. In that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. He made atonement for the people of Israel. He dealt with his sin. The word atonement that the dictionary gives him, the, acting, the action of making amends for a wrong or an injury. There was a wrong done against God this day. And Phineas made it right. He made amends. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus made amends for us. He atoned for our sin. The wrong that was done... By Adam in 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 the Garden of Eden, a man's was made by Jesus' precious blood. But he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. This is a picture of what Jesus has done. This is why the Old Testament foreshadows what Jesus done, and we can see it in this man Phineas' life. A great wrong had been done against God, but Phineas had made it right. And God stopped the plague. The action of one man <coughs> made, made amends. It turned back the wrath of God. How many people, as we said there, have been disillusioned by someone who's fallen? But let me turn that on turn that around. How many people are standing strong today? How many people are on the mission field today? How many people are in missionary, uh, in, 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 in uh, ministry today because they've seen someone who did stand for God, who served God, who was jealous for God's glory and God's honor? And they are where they are today because they looked up to that person who stood for God. We can have as a good effect... Have not a greater effect as we live for God and others look up to us, look to us, and we can we can cause them to stand for God. How many lives can be saved that way? Rather than lives lost because of one man's actions. Thank God for Phineas. Thank God for the spirit that was in him. King Uzziah in Second Chronicles was one of a godly king. But as he got older in his ministry, he became very prideful. And there was a situation where he wanted to go into the temple and offer the, offer the sacrifice, he wanted to go in and take the place of the high priest. But the priests challenged him in the tabernacle. The priest challenged him and says, "This is not right for you to do this. This is not your ministry. This is not for you. This is sin." And the priests challenged him. And it went on that God struck him with leprosy for the rest of his life, and he was exiled outside of the camp. But thank God for the priests who stood against him. This was the king who could kill them, who could give the order to kill them straight there and then for challenging him. But thank God those priests challenged the king. Thank God for the spirit that was in these priests to glorify and honor God. This is the spirit that we want. This, I believe, is the spirit that God wants within our lives, within our hearts, that stands for God's glory, that we become jealous for God, and we can stand in the gap for the people and see them serving God, moving with God, and seeing the greatness of God come. But we need to deal with that sin, and Phineas was the man to do it. He was ruthless, He was ruthless. And as kings and priests unto our God, we need to stand for his word, for what is right, for his commands. Listen, there's a great push on to accept everything and anything. There's a great push on out that God is just a God of love. And we know he is a God of love but God is also a God of justice. But within the church, let's, let nothing cause us to be polluted. Let us have the spirit of Phineas. Let us have that heart that wants to serve God. Let us be jealous with God's jealousy for his glory and his honor. We've seen it this week. There's a challenge on, but will we stand? I believe God has shown me this message to challenge us that way. We want to be faithful priests unto our God for his glory and for his honor. Let's pray. Father, we just want to declare this morning that you are an awesome God, worthy of all of the praise, worthy of all of the glory, and worthy of all of the honor. Lord, we are your people called by your name. Lord, you have called us to be kings and priests unto our God. Lord, I just pray for your people this morning, that through your word this morning, that they would be challenged. The Lord, that they would see the spirit and the heart that was in your servant, Phineas. And that, Lord, that you would give them grace to be that man and that woman of God. Lord, we need your grace. We need your help. Lord, we look around society. And, Lord, we see it breaking down but, Lord, help us to stand against it within the true church of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, that your name is glorified and that your name is honored. Lord, this is the only, the only life that you bless. It's the one that serves you with a full heart for the glory and honor of your name. Lord, touch your people this morning. Put your word in their hearts and their minds. Lord, as we go forward in these days, Lord God, we need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit. But Lord, as we stand, Lord, we can see that it can bring great blessing. And as we do stand faithfully, Lord, we believe that you will bring blessing. Lord, that you would even bring revival to this land. But Lord, it's going to come through a faithful people who seek their God and stand for their God. Lord, we want to honor you this morning. We tell you that you alone are God of this house, Lord. And we want to magnify you and we want to worship you. We bless you, our Lord and our God. We magnify you and exalt you. We bless the Lord because you alone are worthy. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.